45. Genesis chapter number 45, and if you'll turn with you with me there, and uh, this morning we're going to speak on succeeding in spite of circumstances. Everyone who's ever uh, uh, succeeded has had circumstances unfavorable to overcome, to deal with, and and uh, one of the problems and one of the reasons we get depressed is we, uh, because we feel that we're the only ones in that situation. We're the only ones that are going through it. And we have a tendency to get so inward that uh, we can't see that, uh, wait a minute, I, I, there are others. Uh, there's somebody else. We feel that if circumstances were just right, then we could have been more successful. If circumstances had, been so, had not been so unfavorable, if there had not been so many things against us, we feel that somehow life could have turned out different. Well, I want you to think about Joseph for just a moment. As we jump into the book of uh, Genesis in chapter 45 there, you look and Joseph shows us that uh, uh, that is uh, our character, not our circumstances, that determines our success. It's our character, not uh, the circumstances. No matter how dismissal our, uh, our circumstances might be, no matter how insurmountable they might seem to us, God can cause us to succeed in spite of the negative that's around. It's, uh, it's amazing. And uh, we look at the, the, uh, the picture of Joseph, and Joseph runs all the way from chapter 37 to chapter 50 in our Bible. And uh, as you uh, take that journey, and you look through, and, and uh, from time to time, I'd encourage you to, to walk through. I hope that uh, you would uh, read that narrative from, uh, from the very beginning. But in chapter 45, Joseph has become the second command in the land of Egypt. At this point in his life, and he's only he's second only to Pharaoh. He is in charge of the the treasuries of Egypt. His brothers, who were uh, who thirty years before had sold him into slavery, have now been uh, realized who he is uh, because they're supposed uh, to uh, that he was either dead or that uh, he had uh, gotten somewhere in a slave camp, and uh, they have recognized who he is in chapter 50. Uh, again, Joseph recounting the things that had happened to him in those years, says in verse 15, when Joseph's brethren saw their, that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will, will peradventure. He's going to hate us. He's not going to like us anymore. He, uh, he'll certainly uh, requite us and, uh, with the evil that, he did, that we did to him. And, and, uh, in, in chapter 50 back there, uh, they're rehearsing what's going to happen. And, and uh, in verse number 16, they sent a messenger to Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall uh, ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray now the trespasses of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept, and he spake unto him and his brethren, and, and he went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said to them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. Uh, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. To save much people alive. Now, when you think about Joseph, I want you to notice he fulfilled the responsibility. Notice when you think about succeeding in spite of circumstances, I think that you'll agree that, that things don't always go as planned. That's okay, say amen. They don't, they, they don't always go as planned. There, uh, there are plans that go right, uh, uh, 
just go awire and and uh, there are things that happen that we don't anticipate there are things in in people over uh, which we we have no control friends move away businesses fail marriages fail relationships cave in life doesn't go as we want life to go it'd be a lot easier uh, how many of you would agree I, I I know there's a few of us that you would agree with me and you'd say if I had it I would do it this way, but I'm not God. And he chose to do it another way. Well, I want you to notice Joseph fulfills his responsibility, and not only fulfills his responsibility, but as, as we look at the circumstances. Matter of fact, life most of the time is out of control as far as we can see. As far as we can see, there are always circumstances that we can change, things that we have no control over. But, for instance, we, we didn't choose the parents that we had. I can pick on my mom. I didn't choose my mom. She would look at me and she'd say, I didn't choose you either. I'd do everything I could not to, the, to, to get that orneriness. And, but uh, we didn't choose where we would be born we didn't choose where we'd be born oh man i uh, i loved it we uh i remember that we had a, a family years ago that uh i knocked on their door and uh, in the course of talking with them they said grandpa said i was born in this house and then his children were born in that house and at that point, grandchildren were born in that house. And teasing him later on, I said, is your house the hospital? We, uh, we were picking back and forth, and uh, he said, no, all of my kids were born. We didn't choose where we were born. I had the privilege to be born in upstate New York. Please pray for me. You know, we didn't, we didn't have the uh, choice as to where we were born. We didn't. We didn't choose our sex. We didn't choose the, the circumstances surrounding the early years of our life. All those things were, were a result of, of the choices that other people made. When, when we got into this world, there were uh, certain circumstances surrounding our existence that was, uh, uh, that was reality which we had to deal with. And so we all know people who have had to overcome circumstances of, of adversity had to, uh, and have to have gone on become tremendous success in in all that they do but I don't know about uh, I don't know anybody who had a more difficult or more uh, difficult crazy circumstances of adversity to overcome than this man Joseph then Joseph when we look at Joseph and you go you uh, you begin to look and you say there he is I mean Joseph was the the second in uh, uh, second to the youngest son of his father he was the most loved of the 12 sons of his father. His father had a special love for Joseph, but Joseph was born in a family where there were stepchildren, and Joseph's stepbrothers couldn't stand the fact that their father showed Joseph favoritism. Jealousy was rampant. To make it worse, Joseph was sort of naive. He was so, uh, uh, he was so gifted that uh, he was... Uh, uh, a tremendous young man and that he he did not realize many times that that other people did not appreciate his natural gifts or his abilities and so the the story of Joseph as, as we walk through I mean is, is fulfilled with and it's filled with so many things 
that would make it the, the perfect uh, uh, story of, of or times of miseries filled with so many that would, would just break us down. There's deceit, there's lust, there's revenge, there's vengeance, there's mystery, there's suspense, there's imprisonment, there's rape, there's all kinds of things happening in the life of Joseph. And in his family life, it's all there. Now, Joseph grew up under these kind of circumstances, and so he was rejected at home, not by his father, but he's rejected by his brothers. I guess you could say he, he was rejected. You know, he told them one day, I have had a dream. The Lord gave me a dream. You know, as we walk through, and, and most of us, uh, a lot of us, we, we can walk through and we can tell the story of Joseph. The Lord gave me a dream, and in the dream, he told me that one day I'm going to be ruler and that everybody in the world is going to come and bow before me at my feet. Even you guys are going to come and bow before me at my feet. You can only imagine the amount of jealousy that was about to take place, and isn't it wonderful? They didn't find that wonderful at all. Not at all. It made him very angry, and his father favored him so much that one day they became so angry that Joseph, at Joseph, that uh, they had the opportunity, they decided they're going to kill him, so they put him in the pit, and they decided they would just leave him there, let him die, and then they came back and they changed their mind. Reuben, their older brother, helped them in that, and they said, well, why should we just leave him here to die? Let's get some money out of him. Let's get some money out of him. So they sold him to the Ishmaelites who were going down to Egypt. Now the Ishmaelites, as far as the Jews were concerned, were the lowest rung on the social ladder. They hated their brother so much to, to sell him to the Ishmaelites was worse than killing him. You realize they sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites and they, they smiled trying to deceive their father into thinking that he had been killed. They took the blood of an animal, stained the coat of many colors with that blood and said... Dad, we're sorry. But we went to look for Joseph. We found what was his coat and it had blood on it. And I guess some wild animals has eaten him. And, and Joseph's father wept. His heart was broken. But the brothers didn't weep at all. Their hearts were hard. They were so rejected, Joseph, that they, they were glad to see that he was gone. So his family rejected him. You know anybody been rejected by their family? or the members of their family, or felt rejection by their parents or their step-parents, and they felt rejection by their brothers or their sisters, and they're suffering today because they're continuing to carry the bondage into their adult life. They're continuing to allow what some person did concerning them or some family member did in rejecting them. It's continuing to drive and to dominate their life. Joseph knew what it was to be rejected at home. Then he was seduced. And slandered at work. When he got to down to Egypt, he he was bought by their wealthy Egyptian, uh, a wealthy Egyptian named Potiphar. Potiphar pretty soon saw that Joseph had the gift of administration, and he saw that everything Joseph did was blessed of God. But he, so he put him in charge of his entire estate and his household. But you know, Potiphar had a wife who had an evil heart, and she looked at Joseph and was was was. He was a handsome young man, a strong young man, a likable young man, 
we come through and a sensitive young man, a compassionate young man. He was the kind of young hunk that every Egyptian woman would like to, to have the opportunity to be with. So continually, day after day, she tempted Joseph. She propositioned Joseph. Not just one time, but the Bible teaches us many times. And all the time, God was blessing Joseph. In fact, the Bible says three times in one chapter, the Lord was with Joseph and prospered him. The Lord was with Joseph. There he had been sold in, uh, he had been sold, he'd been placed in the pit, taken to Egypt already. He's arising to the top. So the devil comes through Potiphar's wife, and day after day she tempts him and then says to him, Lie with me, nobody will know about it. My husband is gone. I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody. Joseph said no to day after day. Can you imagine the inward turmoil he had as a young Jewish man, away from his home, away from his family? He could have, have said, why should I care? What difference is it going to make in my life? I mean, my dreams are gone. God has, uh, gave me a dream that one day I would rise to be a leader and a, a success, and now I'm nothing but a slave. But instead, Joseph chose to stand. Instead, Joseph chose to, to, to continue to do what he was supposed to do. And one day, she not only invited him into her bed, but she reached out, she grabbed him, and she grabbed him and he took off in the other direction. You know what Paul said to Timothy? He said, flee youthful lusts. And sometimes the only way to get away from temptation is to use two good legs in the king's highway to go the opposite direction, to flee, to run. But when she grabbed his cloak and he ran off, he didn't have anything. She was so angry that he, she, he'd rejected her that she said, I'm going to, I'm going to fix that smart out. So she made the accusation. So as soon as her husband came home, she said, you know that young man, Joseph, you put in charge of the house? You think he's so great? I want to tell you how he is. He tried to rape me today. I mean, what do we do when those kinds of things? You look and you go, there he is. She falsely accused him. So not only was he rejected from at home, he's falsely accused of immorality on a terrible charge of rape. And because of that, Joseph was placed in prison. And we look and you go, How, what, what do you do when these kind of things happen? How can you rise to be success? How can we, we, we come out of that going, I've suffered a rejection or I've suffered a false accusation or I've, uh, you've, you've suffered slander. There are three things that Joseph did that, the, that are three things that we have to do when circumstances are bad. And number one is, as he filled filled his responsibility he fulfilled his responsibility number two he maintained his integrity and number three he continued to trust in God's sovereignty who God is I want you to remember the life of Joseph how he maintained his integrity we said it a moment ago it's not our circumstances that make us a success it's our character when Joseph found himself a slave, what did he do? He continued to be the best slave he could possibly be. Whatever circumstances he was in, he gave it his best shot. He said, if, if I'm going to be the slave, I'm going to be the best slave this man's ever had. And immediately they began to recognize something special about Joseph. And he began to, he, to be promoted. Now the Bible says that was because God was with him. I want to remind us that when God is with us, if God is for us, 
who can be against us in the judgment of my name? We continue to fill our responsibility. And if God will do that, eventually the Bible tells us God will is going to entrust us with greater responsibility and greater blessing. It doesn't happen all at once. What happened to Joseph? Well, he'd been accused of rape. They convinced, uh, uh, convicted of rape. They put him in prison. Not only was he slandered, but now he finds himself in prison. And down there in the prison, he becomes such a model prisoner that the jailer makes him head of the prison. He becomes assistant to the jailer. Then he meets the king's wine steward, and the king's wine steward says, Joseph, if you will uh, help me get out of here, I, I promise that when, when I get out, I'll, I will tell the king about you, and, and I'll help you. He forgot all about Joseph. and so Not only was Joseph rejected by fam family, slandered by his employer's wife, but now Joseph finds himself forgotten by friends who promised to help him. <laughs> you know what it's like to be forgotten? You know what it's like to be, be empty, get into the difficulty and into the problem, and we have people that, that reach out to, and we've helped them in their problems and say, listen, do you remember me? Will you just pray for me? Will you help me in some way? And they say, oh, sure, I'll pray for you, I'll help you. Then they forgot, or they forget all about you. Joseph just kept on being faithful kept on being the kind of prisoner that he ought to be. He kept on being the person that God had called him to be. He got out of that prison because an opportunity came along for him to interrupt the, the dream of the king that only Joseph could interrupt. And Pharaoh saw that Joseph had the Spirit of God on him and there was something supernatural about his life and God raised him up out of prison. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16 and verse number 10, he that that is faithful in that which is least is also faith in a, faithful in, which, in that which is much. And the Bible gives us a great principle. Be faithful in the midst of difficult circumstances. When we've been rejected or when we've been lied about or when we've, we've gone through the valley. Be faithful. It's amazing the folks will say, well, because of my circumstances, I can't serve God. And they say, well, I can't, uh, I can afford it, I'm, I'm going to do this or I'm going to start doing this you know it's amazing you can't ever afford it we have to serve God faithfully in the job he's given us now whatever that job Labor Day weekend and I call our attention to Joseph because you look at all of those jobs and you say there he is and we celebrate this weekend and I look and I say, thank you. You know, we, we go to work every day. We ought to say thank you for the job that I've been given and the privilege I have to, to work and to earn. Thank you, Lord. Not only for the opportunity, and so I get the day to, to be able to celebrate, but I also look and I go, wait a minute. In a country whose who's, uh, uh, unemployment rate is going through the moon at the moment and folks aren't going to work, and we have many opinions. If I ask around the room, we'll all have a different one. And we, uh, we can walk through and say, hmm, isn't that interesting? But I, I look and I go, I'm thankful that we are still going to work. We still are, are, are moving through. And we can say, I'm thankful, Lord. Wherever the job might be, maybe it's, it's 
we look and say, what's the job that God's given us to do now? To do now. Whatever the job might be. See, I might be able to walk through and say, what is the job that God has given us? Not just the job that earns our finances, but what is the job given, what has God given me to do as a job? And when I say that, I refer to the service that we have. Some folks will go, well, right now I just got to get in, in the church. He's given me the, the job to, to just to attend church and to, to pray. Maybe it's to serve him in, in one way or another, and, and uh, we get involved in, in, uh, in, in many ways. No matter where it is, if we'll be faithful in that which is the least, God will make, give us a greater blessing and greater responsibility. So many people look and they go, wait a minute. I think it's kind of interesting when you get into, you go to cemetery. Yeah, cemetery. Shame on me for saying that. Seminary. Shame on me. You go to seminary and, uh, and you go to those and it's so funny. Uh, I, I, I'll tease RJ because he'll know exactly what I'm speaking of when I say this, but we had what we joked about was snack shop theology. Snack shop theology, very simple, was it's a place. It's not anything else. It's just a place that, that uh, kind of between classes or in your off hour, you, uh, you could go get a cup of coffee, and it's just a snack shop, to be quite honest. But it was always funny because in the midst of all of these classes dealing with theology, you, uh, you come out of a course and you're talking uh, theology and, or you've been listening to theology and you get to this, uh, get down there and there would be groups of people discussing different things. And everybody called it snack shop theology for many reasons because a lot of times it wasn't scriptural. Or they were trying to figure out how to make it scriptural. Uh, and uh, you just kind of shake your head going, no, not, uh, not at all. And uh, they, uh, they go out, and they, but, but the one thing that was very common that I thought was interesting is, is they, there was a different idea that always went with it. When I leave here, I'll be great. When I leave here, I'll be great. And it's amazing when you, when you look back and you realize that what is it that the, the Lord reminds us? First, I've got to be least. I've got to be less. And he'll grow us. He'll grow us. He desires. So whatever God's given us to do, he tells us to do it faithfully. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all I might. Do it as, as unto the Lord and not unto men. You see, whatever we're doing in the church, whatever we're uh, doing on our job, we're not just doing it uh, for our boss. We're not just doing it for the church. We're not doing it uh, for, for, for Jesus. Whatever we do, uh, to, we get glory or credit for it, not... Or not makes no difference to God because God's in control. See, if we fulfill our, our responsibility one of these days, God's going to give us, our, give us a reward. And it's going to happen and we'll succeed in spite of the apparent circumstances. He fulfilled his responsibility. I want you to notice also that Joseph maintained his integrity. All the way through, he maintained his integrity. He was a man of absolute moral purity. And even when he was tempted by the woman day after day, back in chapter 39, and it came to pass that she spoke to Joseph day after day, and he hearkened unto her not to lie by her or to be with her. Joseph was sensitive, and he knew what was going on. He didn't even allow himself to be near her. And I'd say this for, for all of our men and, and uh, the... We need to take notes from Joseph. 
and to be sure that we guard our lives and to be sure that we take notes from, from, from Joseph and learn to say, you know what, we don't need to be near. We don't need to be so close to the edge that we can fall off easily. The Bible says that we're to abstain from the appearance of evil. We're to maintain our integrity even when the circumstances are bad. And Joseph could have said, listen, why should I be faithful to God? What has he done for me? I'm separated from my family, sold into slave, discredited, put in jail, put in prison. Why in the world should I be faithful to the Lord? So you see, Joseph, even when he was tempted, continued to have moral integrity. He could have said, I've lost my morals as well as my dream. He could have, been, could have given in. He could have said, look, I am not upwardly mobile. I am downwardly mobile. You see, even when... When our life seems to be going in reverse, God knows where we are. God knows what's going to go on. And God is going to cause us to succeed in spite of the circumstances. And the midst of it will pass. The test when God's testing us regarding our moral purity and our faithfulness to God and God's commands. Joseph in verse number 11 said, my, my master trusts me everything in his household. How can I do this thing? Here we look, and Joseph maintained his integrity because he's loyal not only to his friends, he loves his God and his life. You look and you say he loves the Lord with all his heart. And I want you to notice the third thing is, in the midst of terrible circumstances for 30 years, Joseph continued in the sovereignty of God. As a young man, God gave Joseph a dream. Joseph, you're going to be a leader. I'm going to use you in a tremendous way. I'm going to raise you up as a, as a savior. I'm going to deliver people through you. And one day you're not going to, to, uh, to believe what I'm going to do in your life. And from that point on, Joseph's life went downhill for 30 years. You look at that and you kind of shake your head today and you say, man. Year after year, it continued. I know God wants to use me, but man, it seems like the circumstances keep going downhill. See, God's in control. God's over the circumstances. See, when we study Joseph's life, it's absolutely phenomenal to see how in spite of 30 years of being a slave, falsely accused, in a foreign land, and all the rest of it in the, in the long months and years of being in prison, Joseph continued to show that he believed in the sovereignty of Almighty God. God's in control. God's in control. When he got out of prison, Pharaoh put him in charge of all their storehouse, of all, the, all of the food of the agricultural system because God had given a dream, and Joseph said the, the dream means this. There's going to be seven years of prosperity. There's going to be seven years of famine. You, you know prosperity and famine run in cycles and always has. And God said in this case, it, it would be a seven-year cycle of good times, a seven-year cycle of bad times. So Joseph said, I'll tell you what, uh, what we ought to do, Pharaoh. During the seven years of good times, we ought to build the biggest storehouses that anybody has ever seen, and we ought to store up. 
all the grain that we can possibly store up. So that they did. And there were seven years of phenomenal harvest. And then the seven years of famine came. Famine reached the whole world, and where did they go to find food? They went to Egypt to find food. We look and you go, there's the, the picture. Every pair, People were hungry everywhere. People were dying in the land of, of Israel. People were dying, and, and they came to Joseph's brothers and brought them to the nation of Egypt because the world, the word went out that the only place you can find food is in Egypt. Because they prepared for this. And we get to chapter 45. Verse number 7. And the scripture says, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Wow. Joseph said to his brothers, God sent me down here. You thought you sent me down here, but it was God. Tells us a couple of things about circumstances. A couple of things about circumstances. Number one, is that the pain often has a hidden purpose. See, if we're lost, pain doesn't seem to have a purpose except to bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the purpose. See, but if we're a child of God, everything, whether it's pleasure or pain, has a purpose, and God works in it for our good, for His glory. We rarely see the purpose when we're in the midst of the pain. We only see the purpose after the pain. And secondly, God redirects our lives through failure. Joseph's life didn't work out the way he planned, but now he's second command of all of Egypt under the Pharaoh himself. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, he doesn't become bitter. He trusts in the sovereignty of God, and he says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it to a good thing, to bring it to pass this day to save much people alive. There are plenty of people that we can go, we've been hurt or harmed by friends, loved ones. We can walk through and say, I've been harmed by a family member, or we've been harmed by a boss or, or an employee. or They meant to harm us. And there's no doubt about it, but what did they do? What they did to, to us was absolutely meant to devastate. And we become, we use the word victimized. I want to remind you, when circumstances make us a victim, the only, one you, the only way you, we can become a victor is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise to God that through him and trusting him in his sovereignty, we don't have to accept the fact that we're a victim and that we have always been a victim because Jesus changes us from victor, victim to victor because even though that person who did that thing, who meant evil for good, God meant it for good. They meant it and God turns it around. 
Everything that happens to us, God meant, and he, and he turns it. You realize that God allowed it to happen. God didn't make it happen, but he allowed it to happen because God has given people the freedom of choice. And bad news, the bad news is, is other choices that people make cause us to suffer from the good news. But the, or to suffer, but the good news is that even when we suffer, God takes our suffering, God takes our pain, God causes it to work for our good. I love that promise. That no matter what the pain that we're going through, even though the circumstances might not, might not be made by me, the pain that we might go through, I can say, thank you, Lord. He can make something good out of what seems to be so bad. See, nothing happens to us that God doesn't allow because God has given the devil a certain freedom and God has given people freedom of choice. The bad things are, are going to happen to us as long as we're in this world. Whether we're the best Christian who's ever lived or whether we're the worst sinner who's ever lived. It doesn't make any difference. Bad things are going to happen. And as a Christian, it makes it means God can make something good out of it. And if we're not, it just means that we're going to get hurt in this life and we're going to spend eternity separated from Almighty God. That's why we've got to turn and we've got to look and look, at, look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of faith, the one whom we need to come to, the name that's above every name. And you realize as you look at Joseph, he's seen his dream shattered. He's seen the chances totally obscured by circumstances. And yet he continued to believe. He continued to trust God. And even when he had an opportunity to say to his brothers, you dirty rats. You dirty rats. He didn't say it. Even when he had the opportunity to make his brothers grovel over and over before him. That's not what he did. He had the opportunity to put him in prison. <laughs> That's not what he did. He could have done anything to him. You know why he didn't? He said, God wanted to keep me here to keep you alive because through us, the race is going to come that the Messiah will be born. I don't know about you, but I can shout hallelujah on that. Thank you, Joseph. So I'd ask us today, what are the circumstances in our life? that we've said are keeping us from succeeding? What are the things in our life that we've said, if this hadn't happened, or if that hadn't happened, or we shouldn't have done this, or we shouldn't have done that? I could have been more successful, or we could have been more successful, and, and we're blaming those things, and we're making excuses, instead of just saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust you. Whatsoever those things are, we need to stop blaming others for what they've done to us. And we need to stop blaming God for what's happened to us. And we need to stop using those things as an excuse for, for not being what God wants us to be. And we need in the midst of all of it to continue to be faithful, fulfill our responsibility, maintain our integrity, continue to trust in the sovereignty of God. And one of these days we're going to look at it and say, God meant it for my good. I couldn't see it then. God wanted me to prosper through the pain. I couldn't see it then, but I see it now. So 
Somebody says, how can I do that? Well, first I have to let the power of Christ take control of my life. I can't do it in my own strength. We have to let the wisdom of Christ dominate our mind. What I'm reminding you is, it's not the, what the world will tell us. It's not the, the wisdom of this world. It's the wisdom of God. And I promise you, character, not circumstances, determine success. What happened in the life of those folks? You look and you say, they meant, Joseph's brothers meant to tear him apart. God meant it for good. And all things are possible through him. And God still uses us in his plan. And he still has a plan. God still has his sovereign will. And God is still is working. And he's going to work it out for our good. I love to walk through the Bible. And see Bible characters. Walk through and let me ask you. Somebody might go, <laughs> preacher, let's see. Pick a Bible character and we could probably go through and say, hmm, did he make a mistake? Did she make a mistake? Every one of them blew it. Many of them didn't make just teeny little mistakes either. They made a big time, let's blow it. Major bloopers. Disastrous mistakes. And yet God would overcome. God would use even her hurtful things, the painful things that happened in their lives, raise them up, cause them to be all they could be. You see, God loves to show himself strong in the midst of our weakness. Say, I'm feeling weak, having difficulty, having trials. I'm tired, I'm weary, and I want to throw in a towel. I want to give up. I don't believe success will ever come. I don't believe I'm going to find that peace. Then you know what? It's just the person God's looking for. You speak in the heart. See, out of failure, there always comes success for those who continue to trust God, to continue to believe in His sovereign will, His sovereign grace. See, we're not out of it. It's not over yet. The circumstances might be dark. But I promise you, God works all things together for good to them who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. So Romans reminds us. So the circumstances might look dark. Or there might be some difficulties that have come along our way. But he's ready to meet us. humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up it's also in Peter where he tells us that he cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you I can walk through and say you know what he wants us just to surrender and say here Lord here's my heart and here's my life here's my heart here's my life are you willing to give it to me Let's stand together in an attitude of prayer. As the Lord speaks to our heart this morning, I want to invite us to come.
maybe there's a circumstance, maybe there's a burden, maybe there's a tremendous challenge, and you just want to get on your knees before Almighty God and say, Here, God. That's what the invitation is all about. It's for us to come and get on our knees. So I want to invite us. Maybe the Lord's pricked your heart this morning and you're saying, I, I need to come. Maybe I need to meet Jesus today. Maybe, maybe I need to repent of some things. Ask him to forgive me. Maybe I need him to meet him for the first time. Whatever the case might be, I want to invite you to come. That's what the invitation time is all about. It's time for us to get right with him. As the Lord speaks to our heart today, will you come? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the picture of Joseph. Lord, I thank you that you meet us right where we are. No matter how turbulent, no matter how crazy life might seem. Know that you meet us right there. So, Lord, help us today. That as you speak, we'd openly say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Your will, your way, your plan. Yes, Lord. So, Father, move us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. As the music begins, will you come?